Welcome to the HR Matters podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together with news and topics that really matter. These are insights into the changes that you can make in your organization starting today. This is for anyone who has a keen investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Lisa Dempsey. Hi. And me, myself, Marjolein Vlug. And today we have a very interesting guest joining our podcast from uh, sunny Denver, Colorado, Denise Liebertrow. Can you please Thank tell you. us a bit more about yourself, Denise? <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Um, yeah, I'm sitting here in Denver, Colorado, here in the United States, and it's beautiful and sunny today. Um, I am a people performance consultant. Um, which simply means that I have 25 plus years of experience in large companies um, doing HR work. I am an expert in compensation and things related to pay and benefits. I uh, say that I do people performance consulting for businesses. So I'm helping them maximize profit and impact. And then I also do people performance uh, work with individuals. So I do that through coaching. Uh, I do career and salary negotiation coaching, but I also have stepped into the realm of doing coaching on the topics of emotional intelligence and executive presence as well, because I found those to be um, some career limiters for some of my uh, past coaching clients. So I, I work on those things as well with different clients. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I love the, you know, the take on uh, performance in terms of the monetary pieces yeah. but then also the the emotional pieces because it's there there is a link there isn't there there is there's a huge link and especially as you climb the corporate ladder as an executive or if you're as an entrepreneur as a ceo and founder they have found through research that the higher you go in an organization the more senior the position the more important the emotional intelligence is and and i as i was working with clients when i started my business a few years ago i kept finding these great people who had wonderful experience in the right education and this technical background or an expertise in something. And then they were not quite performing as well as they should have. And they knew it, but they didn't quite know how to be objective enough about their own performance. And as we got to talking and I asked questions, I realized it was about emotional intelligence. They'd get triggered and they didn't have the awareness of what their emotions were doing in terms of how they were interacting with others and how it was impacting them. Yeah. And then I would get feedback uh, that people needed help with executive presence. And executive presence is a bit, it's a bit gray. It's like, I always say it's like trying to nail jello to a tree. Uh, <laughs> like people know it when they see executive presence, but how do you define that? And I found a well-researched multi-rater assessment um, through a company called Bates that does executive presence work. And um, so now I use that with my clients and I help them uh, determine where are they in need of some, some tweaking and some alignment in style, substance, and character so that everything aligns. And um, it's, it's basically a leadership model. So it, it, yeah, it works really well. Yeah. You know, true, true leadership is something that it's a practice and it needs to be cultivated, right? It doesn't just very much magically happen. No, we don't come out of the womb knowing how to be leaders, right? No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can figure out a lot of stuff, but that's one that no, it doesn't just 
magically appear. <laughs> no, and 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 part of it, um, even for people who you know climb the corporate ladder and are higher level positions, it's some of it. A lot of it's really inner work, right? Getting really clear on who you are and what do you deliver that others value, and and knowing your worth in a sense of having a bulletproof kind of shield related to your self-confidence and self-esteem. And once mm -hmm. you build that, then then your performance can really go because you step into a place of authentic leadership that's really powerful. Yeah. I, I love how you explain that you do that from both sides or, or both angles. You, you work with organizations yeah. in, in building that and with individuals as well because they're usually on opposite sides of the table. So I can completely imagine that, and, and my experience as well from my own work, is that benefits both sides, that you know what's on the other side of the table in that award. Yeah, you know, I think of organization, organizations are simply people, right? So it really, to make an organization better, you have to make the people better mm. and help them step into their authentic ways of leading. And I don't think of leaders as simply the ones with the title, right? We're all leaders. And I think the best leaders get the best out of you um, and create environments and situations that allow you to demonstrate your strengths and allow you to work through your limitations and those things that are challenging for you so you can get better. But yeah, I, I um, when I was working in-house as an HR person and leader, I uh, did a lot of work with my team in terms of helping them know their worth and know what they delivered that was of value. And how could they articulate that um, in the workplace? So when I was sitting at the table arguing for a pay increase or a promotion for somebody on my team, um, I didn't have to do a whole lot of arguing. It was simply heads nodding around the table and acknowledgement that they had done good work because I'd helped them get visible to the right folks. And so now as a coach, I do that same thing with uh, the people that I coach to ensure that if they want more money or promotion or whatever their goal is, that I'm helping them almost create a marketing campaign to to sell themselves and to highlight what they deliver that's of value so that their their boss and their boss's boss and their boss's peers know what they do that's fabulous so that they can uh, get paid what they're worth and are there things that you that you advise organizations to make that easier for individuals sure you know i i will do work with organizations in terms of helping them understand how do you create a culture and a climate that allows people to show up as their best selves. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of um, work with how do you have difficult conversations right. as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Because I come from a realm of pay is such a, and performance are such difficult topics for some managers to talk about. And so I am all about how do you have difficult conversations and make that easier. And uh, so I, teach people how do you sort fact from fiction um, so that when you have a conversation you're talking about facts you're not talking about something that is a story that um, can be argued and then um, how do you tell people about the behavior itself um, in a factual mm. way so that they can modify the behavior or um, do more of it and then help people understand what they need to do to um, adjust to meet the expectations of the organization or, or whoever they're working with. So I like the topics of difficult conversations because we have to have it in both our personal and professional life and it seems to resonate with my audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well I think it's so important and especially on you know the topic of pay, you know, pay yes. performance, you know, money, 
Money is a huge emotive topic, right? There's enormous. So, yeah. So much that we're taught that, you know, our, our, who we are and what we mean in the world is somehow tied to our pay, which of course, in a lot of it's ways not. is a fallacy. <laughs> it's not, but it feels like it is, right? Because it's, uh, you know, it's like having the corner office or it's having the best computer equipment or like it's a tangible something that people can see yeah. and grab yeah. onto as a status symbol. Um, I think the real goal for many of us though is to, if you know your worth internally uh, to such a degree, it doesn't matter what the exterior says about you or, or you know, whether they approve or disapprove, you're so solid in terms of who you are and your self-confidence and self-esteem that it doesn't matter. You may still recognize and you should recognize that obviously external assessment of your value and what you deliver is, is important because that's going to drive your paycheck and, and other things that will help make life easier. But when you know it internally, that's where the real power comes in. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. It becomes, it, it's sort of like the, the magic pill, right? Of when you yes. have it, you know it in your core, you feel the value in your core. It's not that the external opinions don't matter, but it's, they, they no longer become the sharp knives, the sharp edges. Mm -hmm. mm. It's a great way to put it. Um, and I'll tell you a story from my background that prompted me starting my own business. I had worked in really large companies in a variety of different industries from mining to financial services, to consulting, to telecommunications. And that worked for 20 plus years until a few years ago when it didn't. And it didn't because I changed my own internal definition of success. Hmm. And I did that by saying yes to a couple coaching programs. One was related to women and us stepping into that zone of playing bigger. And then two, I did a weight loss program. And we all know that we need to eat more broccoli and vegetables and go for a walk, right? But sure, that's the rational side, yes. That's the rational side. <laughs> but the real difference between weight loss programs that actually work and weight loss programs that don't are mindset and how you think about yourself and your thoughts drive your beliefs that drive your actions, right? And your feelings. And so this program was really great about helping you develop habits and routines and rituals around what you eat and activity exercise, but incredibly good about helping you rewire your brain and change your thoughts so that you could feel differently and you made different choices about food and activity. Mm -hmm. And when I found the power of that coaching as, a, as someone going through the program, I then became a coach for that program and helped a group of 19 people lose over 300 pounds in four months. And it was it got me hooked even more on what coaching can do. Right. Um, and then I stepped into starting my own business because I got laid off. Uh, so got a little nudge out of the nest. But when I was interviewing with other large companies in the Denver market, nothing really lit me up and made me excited. But the yeah. thing that got me excited was starting my own business. And so I took that huge leap of faith along with that severance package and <laughs> started my business. And what has been beautiful about that is I now get to say yes to what I can deliver to the external market mm -hmm. um, and to clients, both businesses and individuals, that they'll find a value. I can adjust on the fly and I don't have anybody else's to-do list, right? Yeah. In the corporate world, you're always working on somebody else's to-do list and somebody else's priorities. And it gave me the freedom to step into an authentic role 
that took advantage of all of my capabilities instead of the kind of very box sandbox that I only small sandbox that I got to play in when I was working in these bigger companies as a as a leader in uh, the realm of rewards and compensation and benefits. So yeah. it's it's a powerful thing when you can get to the point of recognizing that that what you did before or what you're doing now doesn't fit, and then doing that inner work to figure out, okay, how do I take what I've done in the past and reinvent myself and pivot to to become something else that's still valued? And it really took a lot of internal work for me to to gain the confidence to know my worth and to step into that space and then be able to teach others how to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and I love how you highlight the, you know, the inner work, because it really is, it's an inner journey. And it, it's the, the rational versus the emotional, right? It, yes. it, and they don't always go at the same pace or go in the same direction. <laughs> no, and it's often that conflict that causes people so much angst and yeah. anxiety and fear, right? And you can get into such a place of overwhelm that you won't take action. Yeah. But I love that I love that you're bringing your focus to this, you know, knowing your worth, and and particularly in the HR domain, because I think, you know, what I what I observe and what I remember from my own career in HR is number one, sort of compensation and benefits is the one gripe that stays, no matter what, no matter <laughs> how much people are paid, how fancy their car is, or how nice their bonus. <laughs> packages there's something there to gripe about so always you know it's always kind of the thorn in the HR side <laughs> and at the same time you know I observed also as somebody who led a variety of teams HR people aren't real great at negotiating their own packages they don't always no. really know their own worth and whether that shows up in their paycheck or it shows up in the, the space or the place that they take at the table you know, I've seen so many HR people not aware of their worth, and so they yeah. allow themselves to be swept into the back room, into the back office, rather than taking a strategic place. I'm really curious how that, that comes across in your work, and particularly with your, your background in compensation and benefits. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny is that I do a lot of speaking um, to individuals and groups and professional associations and to business groups. I do speaking in front of HR groups, and I'm always there are some HR folks who are good at recognizing their capability of negotiating for themselves and others that recognize I should probably ask for help because when you're doing it for yourself, it's a whole different ballgame, right? Oh, yes. mm. It's so different and you don't see where you're misstepping. And so I've had certainly some HR friends and folks that I've uh, spoke to hire me. What I always tell people, regardless of your profession, you never want to start the conversation about pay with about pay or the rewards. You wanna build your reputation in a brand that is about the worth, the things that you deliver that is of value. And mm. it's, you have, every organization has their own terminology, right? So let's see if this resonates with you. Go back to when you work for a company and what are the terms and words that they say? Uh, do they talk about cash flow? Do they talk about revenue growth? Do they talk about expense reduction? Do they talk about EBITDA? What do they talk about? Do they talk about customer experience? Do they talk about operational efficiency, continuous improvement? Every company has its own language and definition of success. Yeah. And so your goal when you start with an organization is to figure out how do they define success, right? Write down those words and phrases and then figure out what are you delivering that's of value 
and then talk about it in the context of how the organization defines success, those words and phrases that you've written notes on. Then once you are good at gently but clearly articulating your message, your stories of value and what you've delivered that is um, important, mm -hmm. then you can have conversations about pay and performance with your boss and they go much easier, right? Because you've built this reputation that allows people around you to recognize you're really somebody that derives a great deal of productivity, you drive a great deal of sales, you grab whatever it is, right? In the and language that they're used to speaking. That's, exactly. that's a very good connection that you make, yeah. Yeah, and when you do that, then your story of your value or your worth is incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's but people often will lead with the I want I would like to get a pay raise. What do I need to do that? Don't start there. The start is three months, six months, a year before, where you've built this reputation of somebody who delivers value, and in staff meetings, and one-on-one -on -one meetings, and in presentations, and in ways you can be visible, mm -hmm. you are marketing yourself, right, and talking about those things so that when you do have the conversation and remind them of what you've done, they get it. Yep. But it's talking in the context of success metrics for the organization that you work for that is key, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are their KPIs? What are the things that they have their eye on and that really everybody in theory should be aligned to? They're not always, but. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and you can figure out that language of the organization you work for. You can figure it out if you listen. You can figure it out if you read press releases. If you can figure it out in terms of how leadership is talking about results and, yeah. and the journey to getting those results. You can Reading the annual out. report. The annual report is like the, you know, it's the clairvoyant guide to what's important. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that. I when, I when I do workshops, I'm always like, read, if it's a public company, read yeah. the CDNA, the Comp Disclosure and Analysis. Uh, mm portion, um, read the footnotes, you will know so much whether you're interviewing for a job or your internal, make sure you know what's going on and there's a ton of value in that document. It also helps with insomnia if you can. <laughs> for those of us who geek out on that stuff, it's, it's a great read. Yeah, it's a great read. And is this also something that makes those, those difficult, awkward conversations easier? If you go into that information, it does. Um, because when you start talking about uh, what the, whatever the conflict is, right? So there's a process that happens. There's some sort of conflict. There's an automatic thought, and then oftentimes we head down this destructive response. But if you can stop yourself when you're in conflict and you have the automatic thought, and take a breath, take a step back, and reframe a little bit. What you can do is give yourself a moment to recalibrate and think, okay, what am I feeling anxious or worried or fearful about? Is it a fact or is it a story? So to me, facts are, you know, measurable results or behaviors, or if a video camera was on, it would record the fact. It's very, it's very much the reality without assigning meaning. And so when you have that clearly identified, then you can say something like, my boss didn't speak during the meeting instead of my boss is angry with me. Because we mm. assign meaning to behavior that isn't real. Oh, right? sure. Well, our brains like to make up stories when we don't know when there's a gap. We just Thank make you. stuff up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I think sometimes as an HR leader, that's part of our job, right, is to like get people to go, no, 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 put that story aside. Yeah. Sales declined by 10% last quarter. That doesn't mean you're going to lose a 
you know, you automatically leap to, I'm going to lose my job because the company's in trouble. Whoa, 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 right? Slow this Um, down. Slow the train down, right? Alex arrived 10 minutes late uh, when the meeting started at nine. Yeah. Alex is irresponsible. No, Alex was late by 10 minutes. The irresponsible pieces you assign, you mean that's a story. Back Mm -hmm. it up, right? And so I think if you can get good at sorting facts from fiction or story, that's helpful. And then when you know the context of the business and what they define as success, you can incorporate that in your dialogue as you talk about the behavior that you want to have change, right? So you can say things like, I noticed that you were late for this meeting and I felt like that you were being disrespectful to the fact that I had set the meeting at nine and you showed up late. Mm. And the story I made up in my head about that was that you were being disrespectful, but I recognized that there might be something else going on. Can you talk to me about why you were late? Yeah. Right. And they tell you what's going on. And so maybe they had, you know, drop off at daycare and the kid had a meltdown and, or whatever. Right. And you go, okay, what I need to make sure you understand is that we have those meetings because that helps us start the day so that the whole team is, is set and we know what we need to accomplish. And obviously that drives our business goal. So if we're going to hit our revenue numbers and we're going to hit the cash flow numbers that we've got set out for the business this quarter, we've got to like show up on meetings and t- right. So you can bring it into the conversation in a way that's more natural. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that place of you're sharing, but there's also an openness. And I think yes. that's the, the difficult dance in those, in those difficult conversations. Cause the moment we start treading into those really emotive territories and whether we're getting hijacked about some narrative that, yep. that we're making up or we're getting hijacked by some, some kind of emotion of, of, you know, I've had enough of it or whatever. Right. And those close things down real fast. <laughs> right. And even if somebody showed up, I'll still go back to the story of somebody showed up late to the meeting and they're being disrespectful. What if they showed up late because they got up late and they just weren't being personally accountable? Well, by asking questions and, and having that conversation, right, you're helping them own that bad behavior, that choice that they made by not setting their alarm at the right time or not taking into account the traffic is bad or whatever, right? So what I always struggle with is when people don't have the pay and performance conversations or they don't have the difficult conversations and they delay, 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 it just becomes worse. If you have the conversation when it initially happens, and you reinforce what's the behavior you don't want, what's the behavior you do want, and you continue to talk about it, people will either change or they will opt out and recognize you're not going to let it go, right? So yeah, it, I, I find difficult conversations to be a really powerful topic. And it really goes back to knowing your worth. If you're the boss, you have to know your worth and know the value that you and your team are delivering. And if you aren't addressing these things and you're tolerating bad behavior, then again, you're not gonna hit your goals, right? So right. you get what you tolerate. Don't tolerate bad. Yeah. yeah. I'm really yeah. curious. And it's knowing your worth that helps you in that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that piece that grounds you and helps create some clarity. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I'm I'm aware of time and I'm really curious to hear in terms of you know practical tips, what would be the one thing that you would wish for everyone in every organization to take mm. the first step towards knowing your worth? Um, I think recognizing that 
many, we, so I'm gonna go back to a word that we have not talked about, which we're gonna talk about engagement, right? You, you see all these studies about how many employees are engaged and how if somebody is engaged, they are delivering not just what you need, but they're doing that extra effort piece. And you know, the statistics show a variety of numbers, but how many people are unengaged? I think a lot of people are unengaged because they are sitting either in the wrong job or they don't have the right environment or context around their work that allows them to show up as the, their best, true, authentic selves. Right. Um, I think if you get really clear on who you are and what your skills are, and what you deliver that's a value, you can gain a level of confidence in yourself. And when you can articulate and discern what are the, what's the environment and the type of boss and the peers and the work that you do that allows you to deliver at your best, that's fantastic. I think we are often swayed by what our parents and the external world tells us we should be doing. So how many people, or maybe this defines you, how many of you chose like your college degree or your job that you went into that started your career path because of what somebody else said, because of somebody else's judgment? Mm. So we all, I find a lot of people who get into their 40s and 50s who are like, I'm not living a life that's true and authentic and and aligned to who I really am and I don't know how to fix it because I've got this paycheck and how do I transition and what do I do? I'm stuck. Yeah. Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And I think as leaders, HR leaders and business leaders, we need to show up as as humans and with heart-led leadership Mm -hmm. and have the conversations with our team about what do you like? What do you not like? What puts you in that state of flow where you lose track of hours and you're just, you know, in it? Some people have never felt that state of flow, right? And I think we need to spend more time recognizing that sometimes we have people in the wrong seats and that sometimes they need to be moved to a new seat or they need to go to a different organization in order to have the right business results. And I think too many times we tolerate and we accept as individuals and as leaders that inauthentic way of being for hours and hours every day at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sad. I think we should say yes to the uncomfortable inner work that allows us to discern how should we be delivering our zone of genius in the world. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's what you're doing today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the zone of genius is in, in bringing what you're truly worth and bringing that all out rather than yeah. doing what you can in the situation that you're in. Yeah. And, and, Exactly. And I don't, I certainly don't encourage people to quit their jobs, you know, Mm -hmm. tomorrow because you're, you're irritated and upset. I think sometimes you can salvage and there's more about your situation that may be good than what you realize. But I think part of it is investing in yourself. And I know for me, when I started saying yes to getting a coach in in different avenues of my personal and professional life, Mm -hmm. that's when things shifted for me because I had an outsider who was helping me create a vision for the future and helping me figure out what did I want and why did I want it? Yeah. But not, I got stuck and paralyzed in the how. How am I going to get from here to here? Yeah. Here's what happens. If you can get to what you want and why you want it, the how will show up. Yeah. Yeah. And that I see that happen in my clients all of the time. They get completely stuck in the, well, but if I do this, then, and there's just this constant if, then, if, then, if, then, that doesn't lead anywhere. And and, and it spirals. Oh, it spirals into this paralysis and overwhelm that they can't get out of and the journey 
I was talking to a friend of mine recently and, and she's leaving an organization and, and moving on to somewhere else. And I said, we forget, we get so focused on the outcome or the paycheck or the title. And certainly I can help people do with those things, but it's the journey. Yeah. That's where the joy and the meaning and the fulfillment is. Outcomes typically are kind of short-lived in terms of the reward and the pleasure that they bring. But if you can create a journey to an outcome that you would like to have, that's, a, that's filled with great moments and joy and connection and good things. Yeah. That's meaning. great life. Some sort of meaning. meaning. It doesn't have yeah. to be big purpose or big, you know, have to save the world. But if, no. if there's meaning, that's worth so much. That's worth so much. And yeah, so oftentimes people will come to me as a career and salary negotiation coach or performance coach. But what we work on are some of these other things about how do you know your worth? How do you know that and do the inner work to know it? But then how do you portray that to the external world, to people whose opinion you care about, so that you can show up as an authentic leader, show up as an authentic person and have a life of great meaning and of great joy. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's what makes life worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for bringing so many rich perspectives. Lisa, is there anything in particular that you want to highlight at the end of this conversation? No, I mean, I think obviously we, we could have hours and hours of conversation about these things. I think, you know, we're, we're very much aligned in, in the vision and, and purpose, and, but also the importance of how these things really show up in yeah. HR and, and in our business environment. So thank yeah. you so much, Denise, for, for putting, shining the light on these really important topics, because I think it is, especially when it comes to the money side of things, both, both you know, as comp and bends as a function inside of businesses, as yeah. well as for individuals personally. It's so emotive. It's really hard to, to really do that sense-making. So, so thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. Making that clear. And uh, I would like to offer a free gift to your audience, if I may. Sure. Um, so to find me, you just go to prosperconsultingllc.com and you'll discover who I am and, and what I do and more about the services I provide. But because we talked about difficult conversations, I have this five-step process I learned from an organization called Crafted Leadership. And I would love to share that um, with your audience. So if somebody wants that, just go to my website again, prosperconsultingllc.com. Send me an email and say, hey, I'd love the five-step process on collaborative, uh, how to have a collaborative approach to conflict and difficult conversations. And I'll be happy to share it with you. Thank you. That's great. We'll include the link to the, to the website as well underneath the awesome. podcast publication. Thank you. That's You're welcome. Amazing. My pleasure. Thank you, Denise. And, and thank you, everyone, for listening. You can listen to our podcast directly online on our Anchor website. Uh, it's also easy to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, which will make, help you make sure that you're the first to learn about the latest episodes. Uh, we'd love to get your rating or review even uh, to get your feedback and your topic requests. This will all help us to get you the information that you need that other people can find and, and be helped with and we always love to hear what's on your mind in the workplace do let us know and until next time bye bye thanks everyone bye bye